0: Hello, and welcome to the Subnormal Podcast. My name is Lauren, and this is a podcast where I interview artists with spiritual practices because what inspires us artistically is what fuels us spiritually, and sometimes the other way around. Today's episode is featuring our very first poet. I'm super excited to be sharing Aaron with you today. I got to be on Erin's podcast last week, the Living Open podcast. If you missed it, make sure to check out Erin's podcast. I will link that in the show notes as always. I met Erin years ago when I was first beginning my journey into tarot, actually. I took one of her workshops about learning the tarot. It was the second dive I'd ever taken into tarot, the first being with Melissa Dillon, who is also known as How to Be a Witch. After that, I went to a breathwork session that they were facilitating, then got into a private container. All of this to say, Aaron holds such beautiful space. I still have a breathwork recording from them that I try to use on the daily to help get into my body and get connected to source, spirit, all of that good stuff. Aaron has a powerful, soft presence and so it's been really interesting to watch their growth over these years transitioning from this very witchy realm into a radical reclamation of self after going through religious trauma, watching them come out and embracing who they are. Today's episode is all about just that, because they just came out with an amazing book of poetry called Moon Sign that really illustrates with words this journey that Erin has been on, and so it was such a pleasure to talk with her, to explore their journey, and to really almost pull back the veil in a way. I will say this episode might be a little heavy for some folks, and that's because coming out is a pretty big thing. And it's still not always safe. And so that's going to be a huge topic in this episode today. Please just be aware of that. Erin's journey is really powerful and beautiful. And so this is not to dissuade you from listening. But if you are someone who's been through religious trauma... That's one thing that we talk about, and you might want to just be aware of it, totally understand. Um, And that journey in the book, I will say, I I bought a copy myself, I pre-ordered it, I was absolutely blown away. So we had this conversation before the book was out, and it really painted a picture for me that... I couldn't even really fathom once I had the book in my hands and started reading the poems. They are not for the faint of heart. They are so raw, real, beautiful, sad, triumphant, glorious, ecstatic, erotic, but also heavy, emotional, and just the whole gamut. So I'm so grateful that I got to have this conversation with Aaron. I'm also so grateful that I got to be on their podcast because their podcast inspired the Subnormal podcast. So it was so beautiful to have that exchange and I truly hope that you enjoy this beautiful conversation and cannot recommend enough. Um, picking up their book of poetry we talk about it that aaron talks about it in great detail in this conversation and you can snag that book in the links as always in the show notes make sure to check them out check out their instagram it's at aaron with YJ underscore at the end so make sure to follow them there are some examples of poems that are posted on their page so definitely go check them out but before we get in a little bit of housekeeping first i would like to thank my patrons over on patreon for supporting the podcast if you would like to support the podcast head on over to patreon links to that are also in the description box it is a sliding scale patreon but we have monthly creative circles so if you're interested in some art ritual monthly that is the way to get down on that along with coloring pages patreon only discounts on upcoming workshops and of course all sorts of other goodies including this podcast without me talking in the beginning and also early access to the podcast so if that sounds groovy definitely check that out as well patreon.com forward slash subnormal child and lastly Just a little reminder that my Kickstarter for the Big Feelings coloring book is still on and going until May 31st. We are a little bit past the halfway mark and we still need some help getting fully funded. Self publishing is not easy, friends. So if you would like to help support that, it is a coloring book for adults who have big feelings. If you're like me, there's a lot going on in your brain and so coloring can be a great way to help relax the mind and get us out of there and into our creative flow especially if you're a little intimidated by the act of art making. We all deserve to be empowered by our creative magic and held with a little bit of softness and that's what I hope to do with this coloring book. So if that sounds interesting to you, that link is also in the show notes or find it on Kickstarter at The Big Feelings Coloring Book. Give it a search and it should pop up. But with that said, thank you so much for being here and let's just dive in.
1: Yeah, I think this is kind of an interesting time for me, because I'm in the space where I have just been working on this poetry collection for like two years, and now it's complete. Mm. Um, And I'm in the space where I don't have like a fully formed project that I'm working on and orienting towards, and I've just finished this big thing. So there's a little bit of like void space. But I think something I have been doing is writing a lot of poems about grief, which is mm. something that feels really present for me right now and has for a while. Um, so some some grief poetry is definitely moving through me. And I think I have a, a little dream or vision of it becoming part of some larger like queer grief project, poetry project that is not just my poems, but is a collection. Um, of other poets too but that's just like so far up an idea stage there's Mm -hmm. really nothing that's like I'm working on this specific thing Um, and that that actually feels really good right now in this moment to just like be in this more expansive and open not
0: goal-oriented space Mm, absolutely I think it feels very uh potent as well hearing that you just have created all of this work over the past two years and are now moving in with some grief work. I feel like collectively mm-hmm. that feels very potent and powerful to um to have to be in that liminal space with that emotion. I'm curious because you mentioned your book uh, of poetry. I would love to dive into that a little bit more before maybe exploring this liminal space. I wanna like just dive right in because two years is very potent as well. We've been in this journey creatively, holistically, like together as a society. Um, I'd love to know what inspired this two years of of work that you put together
1: thank you so much for asking (laughs) yeah i think this collection means so much to me and it's it's about these past two years but it's about a lot more than that and it Mm. also i think for me really marks like my return to writing poetry um I've been writing my I've been writing poetry since I was a kid, I think like seven or eight, I don't know. And I wrote poetry for a while and off and on throughout my whole life. Um, and I was talking hmm. on the phone with my grandma around Christmas, and she was telling me about how she still has up this like Christmas poem that I wrote and oh. framed. Um, It's still part of the Christmas decorations from when I was, like, 11 or something.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. sweet.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, grandma, (laughs) I'm sure it's, it's something. Uh (laughs) (laughs) But it's so sweet. And yeah, so I think poetry is something that has always meant something to me and Mm -hmm. always been part of my life in some way, whether it was, like, the rejection of it (laughs) or the being immersed in the writing of it or just, like, reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really started coming back to writing poetry, um, after I dated a poet in college. And then with the pandemic, I felt this, I felt this real need <laughs> to be writing more consistently, yeah. um, and to be really expressing. And that felt also like an extension of, or not even an extension, but part of my own healing work and spiritual practice and healing journey too, because, creativity and writing poems are so much a part of that for me um and I think that's just how that energy was really wanting to be expressed Mm -hmm. and you know how when you're like doing healing work with something you can like look at it in so many ways you can do so many things around it and you can move it in so many ways um and it felt like writing poems about those things is like one of the next and maybe maybe final things for some of the things that I talk about um, in the collection so that felt really important. And I had, I was writing all these poems that were all connected because I think, I think when you make art, you are often making it about the same thing um, over and over again. <laughs> and I think that's okay. Um, but I had a poetry teacher who was like, so what are you, what are you wanting to do with poetry? Like, do you want to write a collection? And I was like, yeah I do it had never occurred to me that I was allowed to or that Mm -hmm. I could um I never went to art school I don't have an art degree I have not like been formally trained in any type of art um and definitely not poetry so I was like Mm -hmm. that's for people who went to poetry school or something they have Uh fancy degrees and they've got fancy stuff and I don't have that stuff um but that really planted the seed for me that writing a collection was something that I could do and then I felt that desire and I was like oh these individual poems that I've been writing they're actually not they're not separate they're part of a cohesive thing or they could be and they're telling a story together Mm -hmm. they tell a story and so from that from there I was a lot more intentionally writing towards the collection and thinking about like what parts of the story are missing not in a way that every part of the story needs to be there because I think that's also a really cool thing about making art and writing poetry is like you tell what you want and it doesn't have to be this like you know it's not a non-fiction book it's it's mm-hmm. poems um so yeah the collection really started to come together then and at first it was it was part one so it's broken into two sections the moon and the oranges and And the first part of the collection was what came through first. And that's because that's what I was processing. And that's what I was really living. Mm -hmm. And then when I started to experience all of these, all this big transformation, these big tower moments that were happening for me last year, I was like, oh, there's actually a part two to this collection. I was telling an incomplete story. And this part of the story is actually so important (laughs) and I don't even want to tell the first part of the story without the second part of the story Mm. so where the first part of the collection was a lot more about processing attachment trauma and religious trauma and things I experienced in past relationships and a lot of compulsory heterosexuality that I really didn't even understand until I was reading back on those poems and I was like fuck I was really really unhappy writing these poems um Mm. and then part two became so much more about like embodying queerness and moving more towards myself and moving more towards like a life that actually feels good and feels right and also some of the stuff that goes along with that like Mm. family things and like there's grief in there too but there's also like a lot of mushy love poems and sex poems and like really good stuff and yes I like, yeah I don't want to tell both both parts of the story um I don't even remember your original question but that a bit about it
0: <laughs> I and here I'm just listening I can't remember it either it just feels so complete everything that you're saying um because as an observer, I'm definitely going to be buying of the book, but just thinking Mm -hmm. about the book itself, there's the moon and the orange infused Mm -hmm. on the cover. I love knowing what that that symbolism is about, that juiciness to it. And it really, I'm, I'm very interested to know a little bit more about why is part one the moon and part to the oranges for you because I feel like there's definitely a very important story there
1: yeah so um the the sections of the book like that came out more in the editing process and I was like oh okay this is really how it's shaped this is really what fits in where um but I knew I wanted to divide it into two and those mm-hmm. names kind of came so naturally, because like you said, like that's symbolism that's throughout the whole book. It's symbolism that's on the cover. Um, and I'll, maybe I'll talk about oranges first. Um, there's a lot of citrus throughout the poems. Mm. Um, and I think that's it's both a color and a scent and a texture and a feeling um that has really marked this past year or two for me, um, for so many reasons and in so many ways. Like I think about the sensuality of like peeling fruit and Mm. moving with your hands in that way and that feels really lovely and potent um and like the the bright vibrancy of it like oranges are so alive and I keep Mm -hmm. when I keep talking about this like pandemic time for me I keep saying like I feel like I died and was reborn and it's dramatic, but it does feel that way. And oranges are like, they're so alive. They're so spring and summer energy mm-hmm. to me. Um, not just like literally seasonally, but within ourselves and aligning with those phases of the moon to the waxing moon, the full moon. Um, and the second part of the collection is so much of full moon and waxing moon time. It's spring and mm. summer, it's love, it's becoming, it's growing and building. Um, So that felt really right. And also Mm -hmm. oranges were one of the only things that I could eat when I was really sad um, last year. And I was really going through, going through a lot of change um, and grief and change that I deeply, deeply wanted, but also that can still be so hard and there's like a sense of safety that's shaken and all of those things. Um, mm. So it was a lot at once and I couldn't eat <laughs> and oranges were like literally a food that nourished me and sustained me um, when nothing else really could. And I couldn't really eat anything else. So, and then like the symbolism of that is like a vibrant, authentic life is like literally feeding me like, yeah, also that, mm. um, So oranges are so much part of it. And then the moon, obviously the name of the collection is Moon Sign. Um, And I know you know about astrology and probably people who are listening are into astrology too. Mm -hmm. Um, But thinking about the moon sign as like home and so much about the inner world and feelings and water and like where we come from and our ancestors and our lineage and the moon section of the collection is it's a lot about pain and it's also a lot about where I come from it's working with family it's pointing to ancestry and it's also um, where I come from like in this lifetime like what has grown me and shaped me and moved me up to this point point. Um, and it's also I think in the first part of the collection like through those poems I was working out a lot of stuff around my relationship with my moon sign and the things that I think of the things that I were attributing to my moon sign and being like that's bad but were really Mm. just like trauma that I was trying to process um and was nothing inherently about me um and so coming it's also about coming into that realization and knowing of like oh I'm not bad my moon sign isn't bad. Nothing about me is bad. Like, I'm okay. This is just mm. like a processing um, of what's happened to me and things that I've done and things that have been done to me. Um, and it's all, it's all okay. It's, it's like, it's neutral, you know, it's not good or it's bad. Um, right. And even wanting to expand beyond like that language of binary in the first place. But yeah, both of those symbols um, are really important to me and they are very present. So the cover art is it's an accurate depiction
0: <laughs> yeah oh I love understanding the the symbolism because it definitely really depicts the story that you are sharing with everyone through this collection of poems I'm curious what is your moon sign since that is like so <laughs> like that that's a big piece <laughs> of the puzzle here it's Aries <laughs> uh, I love that. Yeah. What's mm. your moon side? I'm a Virgo moon. Um, oh, okay. so I'm very earthy. I respect mm-hmm. and love fiery, airy people because it's very oh. opposite of my, my chart. But I think I want to like really commend you for, um, kind of naming a few things with what you were just saying. I think It's really beautiful to, um, hear people talk about astrology in ways that it supports, but also sometimes we can start to identify with it in a way that is not so helpful. And it sounds like you've kind of run through an emotional, uh, landscape with that Mm -hmm. and like really dug in. With this, with this soul work, this work with your lineage, as you said, um, in these first poems. And I'm curious to just kind of dive in a little bit more there because I know that your work has shifted quite a bit outside mm-hmm. of the poems um, you're sharing, which also, by the way, did not know that you did not go to school for writing. Um, <laughs> I totally thought that was your major this whole time because I had known you as a writer. I'd been to workshops and classes <laughs> that you had held. So I was like, oh, Aaron's totally a writer. This was all making sense to me. <laughs> so I also want to highlight because I talk to self-taught artists all the time and it's like, that is always so powerful to to meet and explore people who have not had to go through art school because it can be wounding so very powerful um but going to the the moon portion of the book i i as i said with your work has really shifted a whole lot i'm curious um as you were writing these poems kind of what was shifting in your life if you want to share more about what was shifting with your life your work and all of that
1: yeah my life and my work have both shifted so much in the past couple of years um Mm -hmm. i think you know as i was writing this collection my work really shifted into doing way less And also being really focused on supporting people around religious trauma, Mm. which is a lot of my background and story growing up in Southern Baptist Christianity that I would now refer to as evangelical Christianity. Um, Mm. And I think that for so many of us, like it's about supporting people. Like we find meaning through our own experiences by supporting people who are experiencing the same kinds of things. Um, so I've found that to be so meaningful and really fulfilling and lovely. Um, and I think I just care so much about us, mm-hmm. <laughs> about about everyone, of course, and, you know, all trauma is terrible. Um, but I really care so much about people who've experienced religious trauma, and especially queer people. Because um, I think it's, you know, there's tons of people talking about it, but I think it's definitely like a newer understanding or something that is newer coming into our collective consciousness. And like a lot of people who I talked to didn't have that lens on it. And they're like, oh, when I'm viewing it in this way, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And like, oh, it really makes sense why I'm this way and why I experience these things. And oh, it's not me. (laughs) and I'm not Mm -hmm. bad. (laughs) And that's like, so good that's everything that I want for everybody to like have that understanding um because that's been such a big processing for me too around like I don't have to be bad like I'm not inherently Mm -hmm. bad um which is a big teaching and learning in that Christianity anyways um which I know you probably you probably know too
0: (laughs) yeah for sure
1: yeah so Definitely my work has shifted in that way. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's also become for me less about facilitating healing work and more about writing about healing and writing things as support for people. Um, like I'm still doing, you know, a bit of like facilitating breath work and that kind of stuff. And I I don't know that I'll ever not do that because I do love it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but doing things like writing a religious trauma workbook and writing about Healing in these ways like has felt so helpful because it's also like something that I love doing obviously we're here talking about writing right (laughs) and feels like a way that I can be helpful um and yeah so that's sort of on on work and not that it's separate from (laughs) not that it's separate from everything I'm going through personally too obviously they're really connected
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and then I think personally over the last two years I've had a many experiences (laughs) but especially around like my family and around queerness Mm -hmm. I came out as bi I don't know I think maybe like 23 or 24 maybe like four years ago or something Mm -hmm. um and at the time I was in a relationship with a Says, man and I was like that's fine like nothing has to change I knew my whole life that I was queer but you know religious trauma and compulsory homosexuality and all this stuff I'm like but that's fine like it doesn't matter I can be I can be normal I can be good um and I kept having this feeling (laughs) That I couldn't be normal and I couldn't be good and that it actually was not going to happen for me Um, and that I wasn't supposed to feel this way in a relationship. And I think most people can probably relate to having that kind of like niggling little feeling where it's just like, it's not going away. (laughs) Like you can do whatever you want. I can do like a million breathwork sessions and like, it's not going to go away if I don't like talk Mm -hmm. to that part of myself and figure out what's really going on. And I think for a lot of reasons like that felt really scary and I was processing a lot of stuff in that relationship um, where I felt safe and held and able to do so. So I think I really needed like safety and stability in my external world and in my relationships because I was having all of this like healing and processing happening internally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I just got to a point where it was like, this isn't going to be it, Um there's, like, I'm not going to be able to heal and I'm not going to be able to become more of myself if I don't, like, let go of this thing that I'm holding on to. This, like, this privilege of staying the same, this relationship, this person, this, um, this yeah, this keeping everything the way that it is, like, have to let it all go and let it all fall apart and that was kind of the tower moment and of course also at the same time I'm like falling in love with my amazing partner that I'm so in love with Mm -hmm. and they're the best um so it wasn't like it's just a tower experience happening it's also like all this magic and amazingness that's also bringing up a lot in its own completely different way Mm -hmm. um and processing around like my queerness too of like I actually I can't be in a relationship with a cis man and I don't want to be, um, and also I can't like part of me died in that relationship and it's not a part of me that I ever want to let die, you know? Mm. Um, and obviously that's just my experience and my relationship with my own queerness because I'm just gay. And (laughs) that that was a whole, like coming into experience of that for me. And, um, yeah I came out to my parents um who are very religious and there was a big falling out experience around that and a lot of grief which has been a lot of like the grief poems that I have been writing um have been centered around that experience which I don't know like I don't think anyone can really prepare you for how that feels I I know people experience it all the time ending relationships with their parents or having people or having their parents end relationships with them or coming out and being totally rejected but I don't know I did not know how it could feel I don't think I I could have known and it was not like a black and white experience and there's things that have been happening um since then but it's it's been really hard and I think that turning to writing is something that I've always done and something Mm -hmm. that feels really important. It's like writing about the writing about all of the aliveness, whether it's like, it feels really good and comfortable or really good and exciting and dangerous or whatever. And like all these different ways, um, or whether it feels really hard and really crushing and really heartbreaking, like writing is there for me, for, for all of it.
0: That is so powerful. I think, uh, First of all, thank you for sharing that. And I do want to just say it's, you know, I think sometimes specifically, you know, cis people, including my cis passing self, tend to forget that coming out is still not always safe. We tend to sometimes think that oh, we're in such a different time. People are so much more accepting. Mm -hmm. And that might be true for so many, but it's still not true for so many. And so I think it's really powerful to remember that queerness is still treated as other to so many groups of people. And I think it'll be really powerful for people to, from all walks of life to hear these poems because these relationships with our family are not linear and they're not easy most of the time i think all of, a lot of us have those those things that those hang ups with our family and so it's really powerful to hear some of the language that you used even in describing saying not good because that's definitely a binary from uh the very Christian world of
1: mm-hmm.
0: of uh of sexuality and experience of what is right and wrong. And I mm-hmm. as you said, the you've you've been doing a lot of work with religious trauma. I'm curious um what has been your biggest takeaway from this, this relearning and unlearning process that's coming out?
1: Oh my goodness. My biggest takeaway.
0: Wow. Sorry. It's so it's my just such a little question. question.
1: That's okay. I'm like, I don't even know what to say. My biggest takeaway. I think it's I don't know if this is the biggest one but this is the one that's coming up for me Mm -hmm. which is that like i that for me it's not worth it to trade like a false sense of safety and security for an experience of actually being alive Mm. and i think when i say like alive that's a term that feels really good to me and feels so fluid and expansive and all-encompassing like being alive is about literally experiencing everything and feeling everything um and not staying in one experience either like I think to feel mm-hmm. good all the time or to feel happy all the time or whatever like that feels so flat um and untrue and like aliveness is like so rich and nuanced and and full and authentic and real um and I think yeah for a long time I was training like a false sense of safety and security in order to feel fine um and to mm-hmm. feel that flatness but okayness and i was taught to do that and it's not worth it <laughs> it's not worth it yes <laughs> so that's definitely one of the big takeaways
0: that's beautiful i hope anyone who's listening to this and feeling that flatness really is supported by hearing that because it is important to live authentically and i'm i'm also so curious because it sounds like a lot of for you a lot of this pain has been through the um the scope of religious trauma and this conformity of sorts um i'm curious to know because your healing comes through your writing as you were healing and creating your religious trauma workbook. What were kind of the biggest, um, aha moments for you and like reclaiming yourself, because that's what it sounds like to me Mm -hmm. is there's so much reclaiming of who you are, your identity, what feels good. Um, how have you channeled that into the book itself, that religious trauma workbook?
1: Yeah I think it's been so much about reclaiming and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I think I'm healing so much it's like for me anyways it's been becoming more of the self that I've always been underneath it all underneath like all of everything that happened to me ways that I learned to shape myself and change myself to like be accepted get love be liked all of those things
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: think what like For me, my experiences in religion aren't separate from my experiences with my family because my family gave me religion and the things are intertwined. And the ways that my parents parented me doing their best, but also in ways that were at times traumatizing for me isn't separate from Christianity because that's also how they learned and where they learned to Mm. raise their kids and treat their kids and how to punish their kids and how to relate to their kids in sort of like a control dynamic so Mm
0: -hmm. it
1: feels all connected in like a messy weird uncomfortable ball (laughs) yeah Um, but I think there's been so many pieces of reclamation that are part of the Religious Trauma Workbook and then a part of this poetry collection too. And I think one of the big things has been around a reclaiming of like Christianity and dogmatic religions everywhere of any kind don't own the experience of magic and they don't own spirituality and they don't own connection to whatever is larger than us or however we want to relate to universe or nature or whatever like they don't get to own that connection and that connection is actually personal and can be cultivated and can be expansive and can be spacious and can be whatever you want it to be and be whatever you need Mm -hmm. it to be I think like reclaiming that I get to be my own my own like I want to say like spiritual authority, but the word authority is weird, but it's something like that. Like I get to decide because mm-hmm. I don't actually believe that there is one thing that is true or one way to experience magic or universe or God or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that so many things are true and so like we get to decide what feels good for us and we get to decide what feels holy and sacred and like worth connecting with and moving into and being in relationship with um and that feels like such important and also radical reclamation and there are a lot of people who talk in way more intelligent and beautiful ways about how reclaiming like your connection to your body and to spirituality that's true for you um, is also like directly going against systems of domination in the world and is powerful and liberatory in that sense as well mm. um, and I think that's important um so that's that's one piece of of reclamation that's definitely been part of
0: everything that I do yes that actually brings me to a really interesting question of has this as you've been through this process reclaiming who you are and kind of finding you know as you said authority or sovereignty however that feels uh applicable for you what is kind of has your spiritual practices kind of shifted as well yeah they absolutely have
1: they have mm. so much <laughs> I think my spiritual practice has become so much less structured and so much less existing in like, I don't know, I think I used to think of my spiritual practice as something I did rather than something I embody. And Mm. I think now I feel so much more that I embody that practice and that it's with me most of the time probably all the time I feel like I don't always have access to it but I think most of the time it's with me and it's Mm -hmm. not about like sitting down in ritual or meditating or doing yoga or whatever like the specific practices although like I love that stuff still it's so much more about like shifting and changing the way that I live and exist and move through the world and what my values are and what I care about and what I prioritize um so I think in really concrete ways, like, it looks like spending a lot less time doing those specific practices, and a lot more time trying to like, live my values and spiritual practice in the ways that I relate to people. Mm. Um, And also in my creativity, I think writing has become so much more of a spiritual practice for me and creating in general, like, just doing collage or like playing with Making really bad drawings or like whatever. Yes, um, that feels like such a channel for spirituality um, for me, and I think it's at the end of the day for me just a lot more about being present and experiencing my life because mm. I believe so deeply that a spiritual practice should just help us live, um, live a whole and full and well and whatever that means to us. Um, Mm. and so like I think anything can be a spiritual practice for me (laughs) like walking around outside can be spiritual and so can writing and so can kissing and so can looking at the sunset and petting my cat little chai chai um or just having a conversation like anything is everything is spiritual
0: Mm. That feels just so good to hear. I feel like Mm -hmm. that's just a validating thing just in general because all things are ritual, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just so beautiful. It sounds like there's so much expansion in everything that you're saying. The world is like Mm -hmm. so much bigger than the little altars or the like little rituals Mm -hmm. that we have. And I just, I really love that. It feels like in connection to what you've gone through, it's just so much expansion and so i kind of want to dive into the the um the orange the oranges that you are in right now cuz <laughs> there's so much yeah. beauty and just hearing mm-hmm. how you are talking about it you you mentioned your um your relationship and mm-hmm. your just expansion into your queerness and i would love to just like for you to share how that has What that's looking like for you right now like just share your joy because I feel like we got so heavy I'm like we need more queer joy so yeah (laughs) tell us
1: about it we can have joy we can definitely have joy yes (laughs) I think you know like two days after I ended that relationship that I mentioned um I was just driving and it was like early spring and I had the windows down and it was sunny. And I was like, I have never felt so alive and so Mm. sure that I did the right thing. And so myself, and I have no idea what's going to happen from this. I have no idea what's going to happen with my now partner or with like, I had to move. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I did good.
0: Um, Yeah, I know I
1: did good. And I think that feeling feels really sweet to think about and root into because it's not always like that, you know, right. (laughs) We don't always feel sure Mm -hmm. and it's not always easy. Um, I've never doubted that I did the right thing, Um, but it's not always easy. Yeah. Um, And a lot of other feelings have been present too, but I think as far as, joy I think inside myself I just feel so much more expansive and open and excited about life I think when I realized oh I actually feel excited about life now I realized how miserable I was before wow. mm-hmm. um and how I wasn't able to like picture a future really at all because I felt so scared of what it would look like like following the the current trajectory and I feel really excited about the future now. I'm feeling excited about every season literally happening spring and summer and all of those and every like season of life. I don't know. I feel excited to get old. I just feel excited about, yes. about all of it. And I, yeah, I don't um, like talk too much about my relationship or anything in public ways, but I feel so much love and I thought this was a made-up thing when people talked about feeling so much love and Mm. so, so sure Um, and how people just know. I was like, that's, that's not real. Like people just say it, but I'm like, oh, it is real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's real. I really feel it. Um, And I think like outside of that too, being able to have just like more authentic connections and connections that feel really good um, and feel really honest um, and really real with friends that I already had and also with new friends um, and especially other queer people feels so good and so nourishing.
0: That feels so beautiful to hear and just like witness um, because I think, again, I a lot of people take for granted kind of the the way that the world is and that, oh, things are more open. Things are more clear. We're able to be more authentic, but there's still so much work to do. And I'm just, you know, I want to circle back because you mentioned making shitty little drawings or like did uh, maybe you didn't say that word or like bad little drawings but I was like oh my gosh no art's bad but also like I love that you use art as an open channel um, Mm -hmm. to explore yourself and I know we mentioned that when I was on your podcast Mm -hmm. but I would love for you to share as well um, your creative practices like how do you get into your your vibe your mood or is it just kind of a sit down and as you're feeling good and let it flow
1: yeah um I think we definitely talked about this but I also don't believe in bad art I think just like their shitty little drawings makes it just feel like fun and light and not serious and I think when I think about making art sometimes I'm like this is a serious thing but Mm. that feels silly to me I'm like I don't I mean sometimes you know but like it can also just be fun and play so yeah that feels good um and I think as far as like creative practice it really it depends a lot um sometimes poems just fall Mm-hmm. Me, and I'm like walking or something and I'm like writing it on the notes off of my phone like I'm not sitting down like trying to do something Um, but there's just, just like some spaciousness that's happening and something is like oh in this space like we want to come through and I'm like oh cool and then I like run home after I write that and I want to like write it down and like really dig into it and that's mm-hmm. always fun when that happens Um, because it feels like there's just this flow And then sometimes it is about like sitting down at my altar and lighting candles and doing like a morning pages style brain dump. And then Mm. like writing, wanting to write something um, on purpose about something or using an image that I've like been thinking about or whatever it is. So sometimes it's a lot more intentional. Um, I think in general, movement and connection make me want to create So after being in connection, it can feel really good sometimes for me to do something creative, um, usually writing, but yeah, I also love doing like collage and I do embroidery too. Um, and yeah, I'm like, where is I going with that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and movement. Yeah. So like I mentioned being, taking walks and then also like stretching and doing yoga is a big part of my practice. And so is dance. I also like dancing, even though I haven't been doing it that much recently. Um, But I think all those things are just like, they move something, they open something up, something that Mm -hmm. I don't even fully understand. um, And things kind of can come through from that space. I also love writing in a group and I've been part of a Zoom pandemic poetry group um, that I go mm. to semi-regularly, not that mm. regularly anymore, but, um, would like to get back to going to regularly, and I think writing poems in community is also really, really, really incredible, um, especially when it's a supportive, amazing community, um, like that one is, so I think creativity happens for me in all kinds of ways,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and I also think that so many things are creative that aren't just, like, this is art in college. (laughs) Right. Um, But I think like the way that we dream up and make our lives can be creative and the way that we're in connection with people can be creative. And so can things that are just like clicking and moving and decorating my room. Like all of that feels creative and lovely too.
0: Mm -hmm. I love you mentioning that they just like drop. That feels like such a great Mm -hmm. Where you're sometimes when you're least expect it, your channel's the most open. And I just really love that because it also is interesting because you have your podcast as well living open. And it's like, oh, they literally are dropping from the sky for you. Like that's so perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That feels very in brand. (laughs) Yeah, it's on brand. (laughs) And I think it's a good reminder as well that that art itself doesn't have to be um serious I think that's more of the conversations that we're having in mm-hmm. and also what I'm coming back to through this whole conversation is a lot of yes and or mm-hmm. no and it can be both in yeah. in this really expansive way and I think that's what we're learning in this anti-binary world are like, I'm hoping we're living in a more anti-binary world. (laughs) At least that's, that's the future liberals want. That's what I want is like a little (laughs) more uh, yes. And a no, and so I think it's really Mm -hmm. important to be Mm -hmm. reminded of that. Um, I'm curious, do you ever create with your partner? Do you and your partner get creative together? Oh, good question.
1: We do collage <laughs> together sometimes. Um, and they designed the cover of my book. So I would say that we definitely <gasps> created something together. <laughs> yes. That's so
0: beautiful. Yeah. I yeah. love co-creation. I think that's so special. And it's beautiful to, to now know that. I feel so excited to get the book even more. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is a little little collab on there. That's beautiful. Oh, that's book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with that said, I would love for you to share where everyone can find you, connect with you in your work and find this juicy, beautiful book. Thank you.
1: Um, so I'm on Instagram at E R Y N J underscore. That's like the main place. Um, And my website is living-open.com and you'll be able to go to living-open.com slash moon-sign to see all of the options and ways to to get the book. Um, And podcast is over there too. People should definitely listen to your interview on the Mm. podcast because that was such a fun conversation about creativity and spirituality too. Um, But yeah, those those are the main places. Well, awesome, Erin. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on.